بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا Now we go to hadith this is class 13 and this hadith is hadith 544 from Bulugh al-Maram book of fasting وعن ابي هريره رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من نسي وهو صائم فاكل او شرب فليتم صومه فإنما أطعمه الله وسقاه أبو هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه narrated that Allah's messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم said whoever forgets while fasting and eats or drinks should complete his fast for it is Allah who has fed him and given him a drink and agreed upon hadith من نسي whoever forgets and al-nisyan uh, in Arabic uh, refers to two meanings first relinquishing, abandonment and the second is uh, uh, confusion uh, absent-mindedness bafflement uh, example on the first meaning, which is a Turk abandonment, is in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah At-Tawbah, chapter 9, uh, verse 67. They have forgotten Allah, so He has forgotten them. Okay? You understand what this means? It means they forgot regarding Allah, they abandoned His commands, they did not establish His commands, and they did not stop regarding His prohibitions, so He forgot them, meaning He abandoned them and did not care for them. You understand? It doesn't mean that Allah forgets. Is that clear? And regarding the other meaning, an example on the other meaning, which is the absent-mindedness, is this hadith. Is this hadith. And from the Quran, is the saying, رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَخِذْنَا إِنَّ نَسِيْنَا وَاخْطَأْنَا رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَخِذْنَا in Nasina Aw Akhtana. Our Lord punish us or yes, punish us not if we forget or fall into error. Here it's absent mindedness. This means here. Meaning the person knows about the matter from before, but then he becomes absent minded regarding it. Is that clear? This is the second meaning, and this is what is relevant in this hadith. This is what is relevant in this hadith. Now, back to the hadith. مَنْ نَسِيَ وَهُوَ صَائِمْ مَنْ نَسِيَ وَهُوَ صَائِمْ Whoever forgets while fasting. Meaning, he was absent-minded. فَأَكَلَ أَوْ شَرِبَ And eats or drinks. فَلْيُتِمَّ صَوْمَهُ He should complete his fast. Meaning, he should continue. 
there is no diminishing of his fast because he said فليتم he should complete meaning he should establish on what preceded from his fasting and continue then he gave the reason فَإِنَّمَا أَطْعَمَهُ اللَّهُ وَسَقَاهُ for it is Allah who has fed him and given him drink how? how is this? yes the one who made him forget is Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him forget in the first place. And this is a kindness to him so that he can eat and drink. From the benefits of this hadith is the vast mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that his mercy precedes his anger and that's why he subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave for this ummah the forgetfulness and this is a blessing from him secondly the action of the forgetful one <coughs> is not attributed to him because it is not from his choice he did not choose the opposition never and that's why he said here, إِنَّمَا أَطْعَمَهُ اللَّهُ وَسَقَاهُ For it is Allah who has fed him and given him drink. The second benefit is that eating and drinking break the fast. This is evident. Since Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lifted the ruling regarding the one who eats and drinks due to forgetfulness, so we deduct from this that whoever deliberately eats and drinks, then this invalidates his fasting. So therefore, the invalidators are the eating, uh, the drinking, the intercourse, uh, the seminal discharge, hijama, if the blood appears, the hijama, the cupping. These are five which we have so far talked about. And it is of no difference whether the person eats that which is beneficial or that which is harmful. Or that which is of no benefit and no harm. Example on that which is beneficial, for example, rice. Example on that which is harmful, uh, poison. <coughs> that which is of no benefit nor of any harm is for example, paper. If eaten by a fasting person, then that breaks his fast. Even if he eats something which does not dissolve in the stomach, like for example beads, then he breaks the fast. Now if someone says, there is no benefit in this. If someone says, there, there is no there can be no benefit in that while with eating and drinking mentioned in the Quran and in this hadith then there is benefit the answer is what makes us so sure didn't the Prophet وسلم, used to tie around his belly the stone due to because of hunger and that would benefit him <coughs> if he presses against his 
stomach, it would ease it on him. Isn't it this the case? And so therefore, if someone fills his stomach from anything, even from coins, he may benefit. You never know. So therefore, the and so therefore, eating and drinking break the fast, whether they are harmful or otherwise, and whether they are of no benefit or of no harm. Concerning injections, muscular or subcutaneous or intravenous, do they break the fast or not? They the answer, they don't break the fast because they are not food, nor they are drink, nor they take the meaning of food and drink. So they don't break the fast, whether they are in the vein or under the skin or in the muscle. And anyone who claims these injections that they do invalidate the fast, then the evidence is upon them. There remains, however, to mention that there are nutritional injections. For example, like the glucose. Can these be considered or follow the ruling in terms of them being food and drinks in that they would be substitutes for food and drinks or what there's a possibility that they may not be related and that the difference is that with the food and the drink there occurs enjoyment upon chewing and upon swallowing and that's why when an ill person is given these injections the nutritionist ones, you find him eager, so eager to eat and to drink. So here, therefore, there is a possibility that they may indicate that they are not, they don't take the meaning of the food and drink. But also, it may be said that they do break the fast, because they can be a substitute, which would suffice a person in terms of eating and drinking whereby the ill person may stay on them for days or months. And the thing which may take the meaning of something, then it is related to it in terms of the ruling as necessitated by the Sharia. There remains the matter of enjoyment. The person enjoys the food and the drink, and they may not, he, he may not enjoy these injections. So someone may say, but this has no influence. Why? They may argue that uh, this has no impact, meaning the enjoyment, whether the person enjoys or not, this has no impact. And they may argue and say that washing the mouth 
with water or sniffing it through the nose if it reaches the stomach then it breaks the fasting while we know that this process there is no enjoyment in it and therefore accordingly we say that the cautionary thing regarding these injections is that they do break the fasting and when we say this then this there is a benefit that the ill person does not use them when he is fasting if there is a need I mean he resorts to them if there is a need in this case if he needs it and the physician says then you should take them while he is fasting then we say no harm let them let him take it and let him eat and drink because now it is allowable for him to break the fast so therefore eating and drinking and what carries their meaning is or does break the fast from the benefits of this hadith that the fasting individual if he eats and drinks even to the extent of filling himself but due to forgetfulness then this does not break his fast but this ruling stops when when he becomes aware and remembers and now if the bite or the drink is in his mouth then it is incumbent upon him to get it out and it is not permissible for him to swallow it because the ruling revolves with its cause as long as he is forgetting then there is nothing upon him but when he becomes aware and remembers then he should stop and should get that which is in mouth, his mouth out the next benefit is that the fasting of the one who forgets is not diminished if he eats and drinks because the Prophet ﷺ said let him complete his fast so this indicates that his continuation in his fast is a completion and there is no diminishing alhamdulillah for his favor what do you say of someone who <coughs> eats dates and then he finishes all that which is with him except one except one date then he remembers that he is fasting but then he eats this final date the remaining one and he says if the preceding dates uh, broke the fast then this is a completion and if they didn't then this one will not be harmful Um, this matter took place 
or this issue or this uh, incident took place in reality a person brought grapes and took it to his family and began eating while he was fasting due to forgetfulness so when he was faced by his family how come you eat while you are fasting he said oh I forgot and there remained only one grape he ate it and he said if the first ones did not break the fast then this one also should not and if the ones before broke the fast then I you know I broke my fast then he went to consult with the chef and he was the judge during that time and he asked him and he said if you didn't eat this one hadn't you eaten this one then your fast would be complete but now you deliberately ate this last piece and it therefore invalidated your fasting and this is the truth meaning although he forgot but he is not excused because it was incumbent upon him when he doubted that he what it was incumbent upon him to ask so this person therefore deliberately chose the wrong thing we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ in Surah Al-Nahl 16.43 قال الله تعالى فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ so ask of those who know the scripture learn men of the Torah and the Injil if you know not so ask the people of knowledge and therefore the fatwa of the qadi of the judge is correct now in the next narration which is for the hakim in continuity regarding this subject man aftara fi ramadan nasiyan fala qada'a wala kafara al-hakim has in the narration whoever breaks his fast forgetfully does not have to make up for that fast which is al-qada nor expiate kafara for it and this is sahih this hadith is like the first one exactly except that there is a benefit in it in addition to the ones in the previous one the benefit here is that if the person forgetfully in involves himself with sexual intercourse with his wife while fasting forgetful forget, forgetting that he is fasting he engages in uh, intercourse with his wife and the intercourse by a fasting individual in Ramadan if done there is expiation for it but if he was forgetful, then there is no expiation on him. So why did the author therefore, why did the author, rahimahullah, 
brought this hadith although it takes the same meaning as the previous one the answer is that the benefit in this hadith is that if the person breaks his fast by way of intercourse which means other than food and drink and due to forgetfulness then there is nothing upon him neither qada making up for the fast nor expiation and this is the correct thing that the person who is forgetful and engages in sexual intercourse with his wife then there is nothing upon him he doesn't have to make up for the fast no qada nor expiate kafara that is because there is no difference between eating and drinking and intercourse except that there is stressing regarding the intercourse whereby there is the kafara the expiation so therefore any invalidator of fasting taken by the fasting individual while forgetful then there is nothing upon him let him complete his fast now if someone says is there a support of this from the book of Allah the answer is yes Allah Ta'ala Rabbana la tu'akhirna in nasina wa akhta'na our Lord punish us not if we forget or fall into error and this is comprehensive regarding all acts of worship and anyone who claims that a specific worship is exempted from this generality then the dalil, the evidence is requested to be requested from him now if someone says would you also include the ignorant under this ruling the answer is yes and by all means and even this is even this takes precedence in the sense that the ignorant doesn't have the original knowledge he doesn't have knowledge to begin with while the forgetful one has knowledge but he forgot and ignorance is of two types ignorance is of two types ignorance of the ruling ignorance of the ruling and ignorance of the reality of the situation or the time ignorance of the ruling and ignorance regarding the situation the ignorance of the ruling someone does something which invalidates the fast thinking that it doesn't he thinks that it is allowable this is ignorance of the ruling the ignorance of the situation or the reality is that he knows that eating and drinking break the fast but he thinks that he is still at night but it becomes clear that he ate or drank after dawn also like someone thinks that the sun 
has set and he eats and drinks, then he finds that to the contrary. This is ignorance of the reality of the situation or the time. Is that clear? So these are the two types of ignorance. Now, the evidence that it is included as an excuse, then it is in the general verse 2286. ربنا لا تؤاخذنا إن نسينا وأخطأنا Our Lord punish us not if we forget or fall into error And this is a foundation from the all wise, the all acquainted, Allah And any person therefore who says to you that such and such case is exempted Then ask him for the dalil, for the evidence In addition from the sunnah there is evidence regarding the ignorance of the ruling. The hadith of Uday bin Hatim, radiallahu an, when he intended to fast, and he began to eat in the last part of the night. He put uh, two threads, uh, one white and one black, under his pillow, a rope, used to tie, they used to tie with it the hand of the camel when it's brought down. Uh, until he he kept them under his pillow, these two uh, strings, and he went on looking at them throughout the night, but could not make anything out of it. So the next morning so the next morning he went to the messenger وسلم, and told him the whole story and he explained to him وسلم, that, what the meaning of the verse that verse means the darkness of the night and the whiteness of the dawn he ate without any doubt till after dawn knowing that he was eating after dawn but thinking that the ruling applies under this situation. And that's why when he went to the Prophet ﷺ and he told him, uh, your pillow is quite vast, such that it uh, covered the thread of the day and the thread of the night, meaning the day and the light, the darkness and the night and the whiteness of the dawn. But he, sallallahu alaihi didn't say to him, fast a make-up day for this. Why? Because he was ignorant. And making up was not required from him now. It was not mandatory of him. Is that clear? The example of Uday bin Hatim. So therefore, <coughs> ignorance regarding the situation or the time or the uh, circumstance, all the same. Example, that which 
Al-Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah related from Asma bint Abi Bakr radiyallahu anha when she said aftarna fi yawmin fi yawmi ghaym ala ahdi al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam thumma talat al-shams we broke the fast on a cloudy day during the time of the Prophet والسلام, then the sun appeared so they break the fast during the day before sunset and the Prophet والسلام, did not command them to make up for the day had the making up been obligatory he would have ordered them to do so and had he ordered them to do so that would have uh, transmitted to us because it became it would then it became what in that situation a matter of sharia and the sharia is preserved it's inevitable that it will be transmitted to the ummah but since there was no transmission regarding this it became clear that the makeup was not mandatory in addition that this also falls under the ayah, the general meaning our Lord punish us not if we forget or fall into error as to the saying of some of the scholars rahimahumullah, that in this situation and in the previous one there is a makeup on them then this is a weak opinion that is not based upon dalil evidence if someone says then it is the same to you if someone eats in the latter at the end of the night and the one who eats at the end of the day if they are now ignorant both then there is no makeup on both of them the answer is yes however there is difference in one case there is one difference however if the person is doubtful concerning the sun setting then it is haram upon him forbidden upon him to eat and drink to break the fast because it is not permissible for him to break the fast except that it is based upon certainty or most likelihood on the other hand however if he eats doubting the emergence of dawn then it is permissible because Allah said in Surah Al-Baqarah 2 187 فَكُلُوا وَاشْرَبُوا فَكُلُوا وَاشْرَبُوا حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَكُمُ الْخَيْطُ الْأَبْيَضُ مِنَ الْخَيْطِ الْأَسْوَدِ مِنَ الْفَجْرِ and eat and drink until the white thread the light of dawn appears to you distinct from the black thread the darkness of the night then complete your fast till the nightfall you understand? you understand the difference? You understand the difference between the two? No. Then we move to another important matter then. If the person is ignorant as to what? Yes, the, the former breaks the fast. If the person is ignorant, please listen to this carefully. If the person is ignorant as to what is entailed 
by the ruling. Meaning, if he is ignorant that if he commits such and such unlawful thing, then there this entails such and such of a punishment or the like, can be excused in his ignorance concerning what is entailed by the ruling or not? The answer, no. He is not excused in this case. Example, a person fasting during the month of Ramadan, knowing the ruling regarding intercourse during the day, during the day in Ramadan, he knows that this is unlawful. He knows the ruling. But he does not know that there is a stiff expiation entailed by the breaking of this law, thinking that he may make up a day for this and that's it. Then the question is, is there expiation on him or not? The answer is, he is not excused in this. There is expiation on him. The reason is because he deliberately chose the wrongdoing. And the kafara, the expiation, is a ruling related to the action. And when the cause exists, then the ruling applies. And thus the kafara is required from him. Where is the evidence for all of this? The evidence is in the hadith of Abu Hurairah concerning the man who came to the Prophet and he said, O Messenger of Allah, and this is the hadith of Abu Hurairah. He said, Ya Rasulullah, halakt. He said, O Messenger of Allah, I am destroyed. I am ruined. فقال له, he وسلم, said, أهلكك? He asked him, What has ruined you? He said, وقعت على امرأتي في رمضان. He said, I had sexual intercourse with my wife while I was fasting, meaning during the day. He then asked him, Allah's Messenger ﷺ asked him, and he asked, he asked him concerning now the expiation. Can you get a slave to free? Can you afford to manumit a slave? He said, No. Allah's Messenger asked him, Can you fast for two successive months? He said, No. The Prophet asked him, Can you afford to feed 60 poor persons? He replied in the negative, No. The Prophet kept silent, and while we were in that state, a big 
basket full of dates was brought to the Prophet and he asked where is the questioner he replied I am here the Prophet said to him take this basket of dates and give it in charity give it in charity the man, the man said should I give it to a person poorer than myself than I by Allah there is no family between its Medinas, the city of Medinas, two mountains who are poorer than I the Prophet ﷺ smiled till his premolar teeth became visible and then said to him feed your family with it so in the beginning he came afraid and now what <laughs> he returned with filled hands the Prophet ﷺ smiled and this is from his forbearing and clemency he told him take this and feed your family with it so he returned as a winner while before he came to the Prophet he was afraid now this hadith is taken as a proof regarding the one who knows the ruling but he is ignorant of what the ruling entails then what is entailed is not dropped off him is that clear is that clear the difference between the two so now we learn so now we learn that all the expiators with forgetfulness are of no harm however when the person remembers and is aware, then he should cease and stop and get out and get that which is in his mouth out. And that with the ignorance, also the same, whether he is ignorant regarding the timing or regarding the ruling. Whenever he knows, he should stop and not continue. And from that, if someone engages in intercourse with his wife in the last part of the night and while in the intercourse it becomes clear that the dawn broke is there expiation on him and is there makeup and expiation on him? Now, if he continues in the intercourse while knowing that Fajr appeared, the light of Fajr appeared, the light of dawn, then in this case, there is expiation, there is makeup and expiation on him. There is no problem in that. What about if he pulls out and does not continue? What is the ruling? The correct ruling or the correct matter or the correct thing is there is nothing on him. There is nothing on him. Some of the scholars, however, mention that there is still kafara, qada and kafara, makeup and expiation, because he enjoys the pulling as he enjoys the intercourse. 
and they said that this enjoyment necessitates makeup and expiation. But this opinion is problematic in the sense that if he continues, there is makeup and expiation, and if he pulls out, there is also makeup and expiation. What should he do? The answer is he must pull out and should cease, not continue. However, to make it obligatory upon him to make up a makeup and expiation in this situation, this is weak, weak opinion. There is no doubt that this is a weak opinion. This is putting on him that which is unbearable. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به burden us not with that which we cannot bear. Why? Because if he stays, then he is sinful. And if he pulls, this is sinful. How could this be? So we say, يجب عليه فورا immediately he must pull out. And if he does so, there is nothing upon him. Because in his action is an action to free himself, to liberate himself, to rid himself. It is not for enjoyment. And this opinion is without any doubt the preponderating one. Just like, just like another situation. If someone confiscates a land forcefully, unjustly, and then when he walks on this piece of land, and he is in the middle, he repents to Allah. He repents. Here he must return it to its owner. If he continues, he is sinful. He continues, he is sinful. Some had said that if he walks from the midst of this land to its border, then he is sinful. Because he walked in a possession that belongs to other than him. And the owner did not permit him to walk. So what should he do? See, with these things, where what is intended is to free the self and to rid it of the responsibility in this case, or of the wrong thing done, then there is nothing upon the individual. Because in this case, he is ridding himself and this action is obedience. The action of ridding himself itself is an act of obedience. So how come we say that he is now sinful on an act of, is, of obedience? However, the preponderating opinion is that whoever continues in the haram in order to relieve himself from it, there is nothing on him, uh, especially in that which is regarding the, uh, the matter of fasting as discussed earlier. Now there remains a third one which is related uh, and to the matter of forgetfulness and the matter of ignorance and these three are related uh, and this is the ikrah uh, compulsion would compulsion break the fast if someone compels someone to break the fast? The answer is no. It does not break 
does not cause the breaking of the fast. And and the evidence for this is in Surah Al-Ahzab, uh, chapter 33, verse 5. And there is no sin on you if you make a mistake therein, except in regard to what your hearts deliberately intend. Except in regard to what your hearts deliberately intend. And in this case, he is compelled. He is not considered to have chosen it in a deliberate way, meaning to break his fast. And Allah the Most High also stated in Surah Al-Nahl 106, مَنْ كَفَرَ بِاللَّهِ مِنْ بَعْدِ إِيمَانِهِ إِلَّا مَنْ أُكْرِهَ وَقَلْبُهُ مُطْمَئِنٌ بِالْإِيمَانِ وَلَكِنْ مَنْ شَرَحَ بِالْكُفْرِ صَدْرًا فَعَلَيْهِمْ غَضَبٌ مِنَ اللَّهِ وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ عَظِيمٌ Whoever disbelieved in Allah after his belief, except him who is forced thereto, and whose heart is at rest with faith. But such as open their breasts to disbelief on them is the wrath from Allah and theirs will be a great torment. Meaning those who open their chest. But Allah differentiated. Except him who is forced thereto and whose heart is at rest with faith. So if the disbelief, which is the greatest sin, uh, the ruling regarding it is not established with compulsion, then that which is lesser is by all means takes precedence. And accordingly, if a woman is fasting and her husband wanted her for sexual intercourse and she refused and she said, I am fasting, an obligatory fast and he compelled her on that and had intercourse with her then there is nothing upon her because she is compelled and this is clear. However, when he compelled her like if when he compelled her, she yielded and she didn't allow him of herself as a ward off in order to ward off, but yielding to the compulsion. What's the ruling regarding this matter? This is a, a situation where the people of knowledge had differed regarding this. Some of them said, in this case, she is not excused. However, the correct opinion is that she is excused. And that the one compelled to do an action, if his action is toward off the compulsion, or due to yielding to the compulsion, then it is the same. And the difference between the two situations becomes clear in the following example. Someone compelled to disbelief by, by being compelled to say, My Lord, and then he names a president or something, he says, My Lord is such and such. His Lord is such and such. He said it not intending to ward off the harm, but because of the, not, not intended to ward off the, the, the compulsion, but because of the compulsion. His intent is not to ward it. This is no doubt that he is compelled. And that's why the position regarding this individual 
does he become an unbeliever or not? And if it is said to another person, say, my Lord is such and such. And he refuses. And they said, either you do this or death, you die. He said, my Lord is such and such. He doesn't intend that his Lord is to be such and such, but he intended to ward off this compulsion. Then there is nothing upon him to begin with, because in this case he did not even intend so. You see now, the correct opinion, therefore there is no difference between the two situations, especially with the common person. The common person does not differentiate, is not able to differentiate between the two situations. Example. An individual, a man, is compelled to divorce his wife, such that it is said to him, divorce your wife or you are, you will be jailed or you will die. He said, زوجتي طالق, he pronounces talaq, he says, my wife is divorced. He doesn't intend to divorce her, but he intends to ward off the compulsion then there is no manifestation of his divorce, of his pronouncement of divorce, because he did not intend the divorce. While another person was said to him the same thing. And he said, زوجتي طالق, my wife is divorced. He intends divorce, but he intended it Yielding to the compulsion. This is where there is ikhtilaf, difference of opinion. And the correct position is, again, there is no manifestation of his talaq, of his divorce. Because he didn't deliberately choose it. And the common person cannot differentiate between the two situations, definitely. Clear? You understand this? Therefore, we say, therefore, now three conditions have been established now. Three conditions have been established. The first, the person must be aware, and the opposite is forgetfulness. The person must be aware of what he is doing, right? This is the first thing. The opposite of that is forgetfulness. The second, he must be knowing. Knowing. And the opposite of that is ignorance. And we learn that ignorance is of two types. The third, he must be intending. The opposite is the compelled. Is that clear? Is that clear? Remember these three. Now these are three. They are, uh, these are deduced now from what you have heard. The evidences are clear. The evidences are clear to you now. If anyone asks you regarding the evidences, then this is what you just have heard. From the hadiths we, that we have discussed. And also from those that are related and from the verses in the Quran stated in Surah Al-Baqarah and from Surah Al-Naml 
Al-Nahl. Now, if someone intended to wash his mouth, and the water, some of this water, goes to his stomach unintentionally, there is nothing upon him, because he did not intend it at all. This was not deliberate. Similarly, if he sniffs water, and it goes to his stomach, he didn't intend it, there is nothing upon him. Remember these foundations, awareness, knowledge, and deliberate intending, intent. Opposite to that, forgetfulness, ignorance, and compulsion. These are not the sayings of such and such person. This is from the saying of Allah and His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the legislator is, is Allah, azza wa jal. And it is not our right to make binding upon people that which Allah did not make binding upon them, nor to lift of them that which is still binding on them. We are conveyors, we are not legislators. And if the book and the sunnah indicate a ruling that it is such and such, then we must take by it. And we shouldn't give fatwa to people by other than that. And there is no excuse for anyone to give a fatwa, for anyone to give a fatwa by anything where the Quran and the Sunnah indicate the opposite, while he is knowing. This brings the end of the discussion on these narrations. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it a benefit for myself and for all of you. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira.